Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Upon Further Review. I'm Noah Kinsey. And I'm Jonesy. And today we are talking about that Spike Lee joint from 1989, Do the Right Thing. The Really the movie that put him on the map. He'd done stuff before that. But yeah, this but there's only like one thing he did before like that. A, yeah, one or two things right. for sure. I think it's for, you know what I thought about uh, that was interesting about Spike Lee was that mm. his first movie was at 29. Yeah. He was 29 years old, and he did this one at 31, mm. 31, 32. And then so rolled right into Mo Better Blues after this one. Yeah. Well, this is my first... I, I mean, I've heard about the guy, right? <laughs> yeah, I can't believe when you but told I, me <laughs> that you'd never watched And I any. love cinema, you know? Yeah. Like, I love film, but uh, you know what it probably was, though? It was that everybody was just like, oh, my God, Spike Lee, I want to get on your day. And then I was just <laughs> like, you know what? I don't know about that, man. So overall, once again, we'll dig into this as yeah, we are yeah, one yeah, to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Overall, thoughts on this movie? Um, uh, I guess. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Um, in all honesty, you know, it was one of those movies, though, that very, very few movies do this for me. Um, but it was one that at the very end of it, it actually got me thinking. Mm, you know what yeah. I mean? Because I was I was very curious because it was very artfully done. Sure, right? Uh, a lot of camera angles uh, that they were using. A lot of very. Um, Did it kind of feel ex- like a stage play to you a little bit? So much. Yeah. My wife and I were literally thinking to ourselves, we "We're like, this feels like a play." Yeah, was and it a I play first? That. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the shots, I was just like, "Well, Breaking Bad literally just watched this whole movie and stole <laughs> yeah. like half the shots from oh, yeah. this thing, you know." But how experimental it was mm. um, in what they were trying to do, camera technique wise, narrative wise, those types of things. And so I can applaud them for those. Sure. I don't know if it resonates with me the same way that it may resonate with somebody else, right? Yes. Right? So that's how. Spoiler I mean, alert: I am a white man, so <laughs> therefore. <laughs> Probably, I'm you half know, Mexican, but I look basically like Noah. So this is true. This is true. <laughs> We're totally twinsies. But so, I mean, so there's certain themes and certain things that I'm just by nature not going to understand. Sure, um, but it's also neither of us are, and that's a tough part because when you, yeah. we are, you know, doing a podcast on such a such a rich culture, I mean, I can't. Mm-hmm. But it's also a generation. It's also a generation that's past. I mean, that's the older sure. generation that people nowadays won't have the same experience that they had. Sure, sure, sure. But there's also a generation that had those experiences. And I think a lot of the core elements of this story that are happening, a lot of the core themes, I mean, black culture deals with on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's tough for me to critique on narrative from that perspective because, I mean, I'm not black, so I don't don't know what it's like. You know what I mean? Within that spectrum. All I can do is... Talk about the movie that I saw mm-hmm. and critique and the think movie about, and that's yeah, it, you just know? what we do yeah. where we watch a movie, we watch it for how, you know, like what they were trying to do. And we talk about if we feel that it matched up to what they were trying to do, right. what he was trying to do. And in this one, I just didn't work for me at all. I mean, no, I just not one bit, huh? No, I watched the whole thing and I kept waiting for something, some sort of through line. It just kind of, no. kind of just sat in the world of it's a hot day. Sure, sure. Like, and for me, you know, I know that even I was looking at the description and talk about racial tensions, and to be quite honest with you, until the crescendo at the end, I didn't really feel a lot of tension building at all. That's interesting, because I did. 
Did you? I did very much, and it was it, you felt right away there was a lot of tension in general. Well, I between... felt there was a lot of racism. Sure, but I think there's tension there. I feel right, like a guy's going in to buy a beer. Tension already, mm. you know what I mean? And those things that was in the morning, mind you, right, right. Like, and I felt that there was a lot of moments that were just building up. And did you and get the feeling like building. he had that same argument about the type of beer? Like every time he went in, <laughs> where they're just like, "We know you're gonna buy whatever beer." Like. Right. You always say we don't have this one beer, as if you're shocked we don't have this one beer. I know. If you lived on that block for that long, you yeah. know that they don't got that beer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but to that same point about the beer, um, there, the, I, I did feel that there was a an escalation happening of conflict over mm. time. I don't think that it happens the same way that we're used to it though. Sure, that we're conditioned in film for Exactly. It. Yeah. Because for us we're looking at it from a for, from a from a rising action standpoint where it's taking big leaps mm-hmm. into what's happening and I felt what Spike Lee did really well for me is I felt like I was living on this block. Sure. Right. Yeah. And it felt like a long day. Mm-hmm. And you were able to go through each one of these characters and understand their plight and the things that um put them into position that they're at, mm-hmm. right? Uh, to to which end, slowly you're peeling back the onion further and further, right, to get to the core issue of this whole thing. And it's just dealing with racism and violence and putting th- these these different cultures in one particular place, mm-hmm. just waiting for them to blow up, Yeah, you know? And that's ultimately what the movie was truly about. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so... I disagree. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. It just didn't. I just don't think it worked for me. I mean, yeah. I think I got a lot of the themes. I got, like, you know, racism. There was a lot of misplaced anger. Right. I mean, even the crescendo of the film was misplaced anger. You right. were angry, so you went after what you could go after. Uh-huh. You know? And for me, it was, like, I while I got it, I didn't, it wasn't really, it didn't really do much of anything for me. I mean, the... Th- I agree with you there, because... You know, two hours into this damn movie, and I'm like, these people are just a bunch of assholes. Just racist assholes. And that, you know, but, and that's the tough part because that was the point of the movie. Right. Right? Like, everybody in that movie, the movie's called Do the Right Thing. And everybody in that movie was not doing the right no, thing. No, that's what I was going to ask they you. Like, what is that? to do the right uh-huh. thing, but not everybody was actually doing yeah. the right thing. You had Mookie as a main character. Who was trying to do the right thing? I didn't see anybody trying to do the right thing. And that's the point. No one is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. The only person that was doing the right thing, but everybody looks at him as a bum, is the mayor. Yeah. Right? Because through his actions, through his actions, even though he is a bum, most people, you know, dismiss a character like that, right? What happened was you you get a really unique B story mm-hmm. with him building a relationship with kind of like the Colehart, right? The yeah. uh, Miss uh, Sister. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was her name? Uh, Mother Sister. Mother or something. Sister, something like that, right? Um, and he built that relationship. He built that relationship with every single one of those people mm-hmm. within the story because at the very core, he was doing the right thing, whether it was. A bum or not. Yeah, and there was no glory behind doing the right thing. None of it, right? He was just, just once again shrugged exactly. off to be the way he was. Even when he saved that exactly. kid, the mom's like, I appreciate it, but don't tell me not to hit my son. Right, and to which end, everybody is being tested this day. It's mm. hot, things are irritable, um, and people are being frustrated with other people because they're all entitled 
right? Yeah, that was so my much big issue. There was in this so movie. much entitlement that it was just. I don't know. I feel I'm, and this could be just my bias when it comes to like cinema. But I always, I want there to be, even if it's a secondary character, I want there to be someone that I'm feel. I don't want to say connected to, but like root for. Sure. And there wasn't that in this right. for me at all. And for me, well, of course, like, because you're not a black hard. man that has a hard time keeping a job that has a half-ass girlfriend and an already a uh, you know three-year-old but, kid. You know what I mean? But like, he he had like the easiest job ever he could be super lazy he could show up whenever the hell he wants to still get paid right like he was his character was super entitled in a way where i'm like he's a shitty person every single one of these characters was super entitled and that is the issue right like that is the biggest issue because in order for you to get past your prejudice Mm -hmm. you have to stop feeling like you're entitled to something that somebody else isn't yeah Right. Like the the dad is uh, the pizzeria dad is like, this is my shop. You do what I say. And that trickled down to the brothers. You uh-huh. know what I mean? You have that even trickling further down into a sense of entitlement. I hire you. I give you money. You do what I say. Right. V- vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To where that one uh, guy that came in with the. Apoyo's Hermanos character. I don't even remember his damn name, but the one that was talking about there's no black yeah. men in this. Which is this like, joint, right, it's you not know? your restaurant, buddy. Bring in a black picture. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But the the and again, there's a sense, sense of, of entitlement. entitlement. And right? even with Radio Rahim coming in with his stereo blasted, like Radio Rahim turn walking it off. around the yeah. city, blasting super entitled, that thing, right? Very much entitled. He was but shitty to a... the shopkeepers before they were like exactly. shitty to him. Like entitlement, entitlement, exactly, right? And and what's interesting about Radio Rahim's character was there was a there was kind of like a an interesting battle between the the Puerto Ricans and the and himself right mm. they were playing blasting their music and he yeah. was blasting his music and in some really in a really simple way his outblasted theirs yeah. and they were like respect yeah right that's the the the, the that's the streets mm. right street cred and that's that's his identity. Yeah. Right? And that's the interesting thing to me about a movie like this is that you have all these different pockets of culture with their own sense of identity and is being tested throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. And so when those when that sense of self and identity is being tested, of course shit's going to, you know, be be heated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get what I mean? Um so for me it made sense on what he was trying to do. It just made it really difficult to so, to connect yeah. for me with the character that I'm just like, okay, I want to see something succeed here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. I guess that's the point, though. Yeah. Because it doesn't. And even like when Mookie breaks the window <laughs> and everything burns down, the next day he comes back for his money, and I'm like, damn, that's ballsy. If well, I broke a window and right. created all that shit. But why I'd do you be- think he? Why do you think the director put d- that scene in there? Just the entitlement. Exactly. Just, it's entitlement. Because was anything ever? Fi- was anything fixed? No. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody went right it back to the same shit again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's perpetual. Yeah. And that's how. It, it is now. And it's so interesting that a movie like this was done in 89. Yeah. Right? And we're we're, we're still dealing with this same And bullshit. that's why I picked this that I thought would be a good one to talk about because uh-huh. I've never seen it. And I'm like, I'm sure. And, I mean, it does. Like, I get it. It does apply. And we see on all sides, we see this sense of entitlement. Right. And we hear these arguments like, I'm right, you're wrong. And it's like, well, but there's more to it. Well, no. Like, I'm entitled to this shit. Right. And I will get this. And I don't need to watch my tone. Just... 
listen to my words. Who gives a shit about my tone? You should just agree with me. And it's right. like, mm, or you can say it in a way where it makes me want to hear you yeah. out. Yeah. Well, you know, like <laughs> that might help a little bit. Right. So, I mean, it does. I mean, it does really apply to nowadays just cinematically. And I mean, look, like I love traditional and non-traditional storytelling. I don't need something to like have just, I don't need to be my hand held to have a plot. Uh-huh. But I just, I felt like with this, I mean, I I just, I just could not do it. And I mean, I think part of it is because like Malcolm X, Mo Beta Blues, I think those are like, when I think of Spike Lee, those movies, especially Malcolm X is like the best, like uh-huh. his masterpiece. And the fact that this is on the top 100, like it just, it doesn't... I, I don't know. I th- I think he got so much better. And for this one to be on that list when I'm like. But I see I can see why this movie is on this list because of one, the subject matter and how it was portrayed. Right. Because you look at something like Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. You got a you got a, a, a bold black character that is trying to do the right thing. Pun intended. And. Ultimately, they fall from grace because of their environment. Sure. Right? What I love about what Spike Lee did in this movie is that he didn't let anybody redeem themselves. Right. He allowed us to just be with them Mm. in all their frustration and all their, like, faults. Mm Mm-hmm. And yet at the same time, you wanted to see how is this movie going to escalate? How is this thing? We know in stereotypical plot structure that there's going to be some form of climax. And my curiosity was, what is that going to be? Right. Right. We knew I knew there was going to be some sort of fight or something along those lines. I did not see Radio mm-hmm. Raheem it getting just killed. Yeah. But I think that's how it happens. Yeah. You know, um, and I think to the same point. There's uh there's a podcast I listen to on uh, Invisibilia. I don't know if you guys listen um, to this particular podcast. It's actually beautiful. Invisibilia is about all the all the things about um, they go into like how how you feel emotions and how your mind works. Um, and they tell these really great scientific stories around it. Mm. This particular episode was called uh, Emotions, and they had two parts. They came back for a, another season, but. This guy ended up being in the Philippines, and uh, he was living amongst. He's a philanthropist living amongst a bunch of uh, be, uh, a beheading tribe, basically. Oh. And uh, they talked about an emotion that was something that he's never heard of, something that he's never felt. And uh, in the tribe, they call it legate. I felt legate when when somebody dies and. They said, "What does that mean?" So it's tough to say what it means. It's a feeling that they get, and it's it's a, such a deep, deep sorrow that you get um, when somebody dies or um, traumatization. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you don't really understand what this is until you've gone through it. And what's really interesting, putting those two and two together with the the last scene of the 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 loiting and looting and mm-hmm. you know and all that type of stuff to me I'm like that's probably what Leggett feels like you you have all of this energy and mm-hmm. frustration and yeah. anger and no one is listening to you mm-hmm. and the only thing you can do is lash out yeah hence you know um in the in the podcast they were saying that's you know they they feel this this 
this rush, this energy that comes through them, and they need to they need to behead somebody, and that's usually what they tend to do. Yikes! Back in the you know back in the day, I mean this is, they're very primitive type of you know there's sure, tribes and still, stuff like that. Geez. But there's such a feeling that you get, and I mm-hmm. and in some crazy way, you know, um, in 1990, 1992, right? Like when the Rodney King stuff went down, and and you know, you have a culture that does, that feels like they're not being heard and uh-huh. misrepresented, and that it's perpetuating, you know, the violence and the frustration for them. This sense of legate, I think, is um, is propelling them to kind of go through and do something extreme to feel some sort of release. But in some weird way, it doesn't ever fix anything. Right. right? It's just momentary. Exactly. Um, and so that last scene to me was, I I was like, holy shit, that's <laughs> that's intense, yeah. man. Yeah, it's really really intense. So we haven't even talked about Rosie Perez. <laughs> uh, oh, me a Mookie. Yeah, you're just gonna do me and then leave. Yeah, I'm not so- gonna see you for a week. <laughs> <laughs> like first, I forgot how annoying she. Oh her my voice gosh! Is. Well, so she's a good actress. Just that yeah, she's voice great. is just really shit, a Mookie. Yeah, yeah, it's very yeah, and I not even doing it as annoying as it is. No, but it's still annoying. No, I love so and she was great. That. I love her. Like I love her in she's Tropic Thunder. No, what's it called? Uh, uh, the White Pineapple Night. Express. Oh yeah, there's a cop. She's the the corrupt cop. That's like the last movie she's been she's in. So funny, but um, man, do you think she has back problems at this age? You mean like from her all dancing that is dancing? so violent? Uh-huh. And have you seen her like videos of when she was on Soul Train before she was oh, discovered yeah, for dude. this? Hell yeah! That's all she did was the herky jerk. Like she has to have <laughs> bad lower back because it's just like violent, or a very very flexible back, or a very flexible back. Yeah, but like so. I mean, those are like violent movements, and they actually the opening scene. Uh, he was inspired by uh, Bye Bye, the opening credits for Bye Bye Birdie. Uh-huh. For this, it took eight hours to film her dancing. So if it looked like she was in pain, she probably was. Yeah, dude, she probably sore eight as hell. The hours. Next day. That's insane. What did you think about it though, in relation to the overall theme? I, I just kept, I just kept seeing the Soul Train dancing. <laughs> oh, really? But I, I like how the <laughs> use of Public Enemy. I feel like that that as the soundtrack for this movie made perfect sense with yeah, the social boy. issues with the social issues. Well, totally. not, not so much the flavor of the hype man as come on, son. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, boy. boy. Yeah. Flavor flavor. Did he even say flavor flavor all the time? Well, no, no, no. In this, Oh, in the song, not in this movie. No, no, okay. No, but in general, he does like, I say missed that. that. He was on a show there when my network TV became its own network initially and they had original programming. He was, and this is right after his like Bridget show or whatever, when uh-huh. he was with Bridget Nielsen, which is gross combination. But um but, but he was in a sitcom and his character name Kelly Cal oh. like, you even say that in it. It was Oh jeez. Oh poor flavor looked like a shriveled up California reason. Um but no I I mean, I like I like the soundtrack for for Public Enemy. It was perfect. By for far, this. this entire movie soundtrack is phenomenal. Yeah, it's perfect. It's and it, so good. It fits it. I just for me at this, I think it's because I've seen so much of her Soul Train montages that the uh-huh. beginning that's the only thing. I mean, it's yeah. I guess I guess if that's how you're, related but I could also to couldn't it. tell. I'm watching it. I'm like, are we supposed to take this dancing? Because I mean, once again. 
that was a the previous generation kind of growing up with that like age group uh-huh. and i'm like was that hot back then or is that like tongue in cheek and I, I mean i took it i couldn't tell i took it as interpretive to how they how the how they feel you know throughout this entire movie like it looks the dancing looks anxious and spastic. But, that, but also that's how she normally violent. dances. So well, I think maybe that's why I didn't see it. I think just for me, I think gotcha. that's why I didn't interpret it anything for the movie because she was doing that to freaking like Casey, you know, like uh, Earth, Wind and Fire and Soul Train stuff. <laughs> so I've never seen the same her. Thing. Yeah, I've never seen her Soul Train. Stuff, so that's probably so. why. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it fit, but yeah. Like seeing that, I'm like, well, that's how she would dance to shake a groove thing. So like, yeah, but you, I mean, in all honesty, you think that they would just say, "Hey, just dance for the beginning of this movie" without having it to. I know, think they're like, correlate. listen to this music and dance how you interpret it. But it's mm-hmm. it's like I said, I mean, it's just that's kind of her thing. You don't so, think it was purposeful though? Maybe Spike saw her on Soul Train. It's like that kind of <laughs> dancing works for uh-huh. the theme for this. Uh huh. I'll show you after this. It's yeah. It's, I mean, I'm assuming excellent. it looks the same. It looks exactly you know the I mean? same. Um, very angry, violent, angsty dancing. So, which fits for the overall which movie, fits, by the way. But because yeah. I saw that first, as opposed to this, I think that's why I just kind of have that bias that or that bias those there. blinders on there. Makes sense. When they kissed in her apartment, yeah. what, I don't know if it was the version I saw. Was there like a double cut where they went in for a kiss and then it basically starts back over? Did you notice double cut? That might have been the version no. I saw. It was kind of no, it was pretty smooth weird. for me. I thought it was cool how many like now known people were in this film. Sure, you know, like you sure. have Martin Lawrence uh-huh. with the kind of lisp thingy going on, yeah, or just a big tongue. It wasn't really a lisp. It was just yeah. a really big tongue. Sam Jackson, uh, John Turturro yeah. as the son, which is pretty. I mean, you already said the Los Poyos Locos guy. Yeah, he was um, a lot of people. Even Radio Rahim, I've seen in a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I just had a really good cast that went on to do a lot, a lot of, of stuff. Thing. I mean, the one person I could have done without in this entire goddamn movie is Spike yeah, Lee. Yeah, he was pretty terrible, like, and I'm sorry. Oh, man, I don't believe nope. you in this movie. And look, I get it. My student film, I wrote, produced, directed, and starred in it. And my acting was terrible in that because I'm thinking of everything but acting right. while while filming, like continuity, blah, 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 all this stuff. Right, right. So I get it that that can mess with you. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen – I don't remember if I've seen him. I think he was in Mo' Better Blues, but that was a long time ago. But, yeah, his acting was not great. Well, in some crazy way, you know, looking back – Looking at it, this was a movie that stuck with me. I've been thinking about it all day, actually. But uh, looking back at it in retrospect, my assumption is that he needed a character that had that kind of melancholy type of vibe. The you know? slacker. Yeah, dude. Because like, he, I mean, that's. I want to do something with my life, but not enough to actually try. try. <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah. and he looked that part. You know what I mean? Like, even with him saying to Rosie Perez when he was leaving, like, you don't think I care about my kid? Well, you don't. You're gone yeah, you're for, like, le- a week. Right, and you're leaving right now. You so live on the same block. There is no excuse to not see him all the time. Right. I don't hear you volunteering to babysit the kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> you bail right. and come for some booty with some ice cubes. Here's but, the thing with that character, though. What was she doing? 
<laughs> she was living at yeah, home with her mom with, with her, her fucking mom. kid, and you got pregnant at a really young age. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you to give this man shit? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's just the generation I live in now. Well, they didn't really flesh out like, what she does. On. I mean, it was just one day, so... We don't know anything about her. We don't know if she has a job. We just know she lives with her mom. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know? An overbearing woman that's just trying to get that sweet dick. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that that spikely... Dude, some of the, my favorite, yeah, my, my favorite characters are those three dudes. They were my favorite. Oh wall, my man. god, I they love those. And I did love. I thought it, this stuck with me is when the the cop car rolls by uh-huh. and the cops are staring at them, uh, and right. they He's and like, the cop what says a "What a waste. waste!" and then those guys said "What a waste!" What a waste. I thought that was awesome. Such a beautiful perspective. But I love those three guys. I just yeah. want a movie with just those three guys. I want to hang out with those guys. Yeah, I want right. to talk Tyson with them. Bro, you live in Long Beach. That happens like a block down your street, like straight up. You realize so, that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so funny when he's like, if Tyson even dreams about me, he better wake up and apologize. <laughs> that was so funny. But I love those guys. They were right. easily my favorite. You ever seen Bebe's Kids? Uh-huh. It reminded me yeah. of, those, of that whole... Just genre. those guys who just kind of sit there. They've probably put in their hard work, you know, and they're just done. Like... This is time where we relax. We did all our stuff. Yeah. You know, kind of, I mean, yeah. sense of entitlement, but also after a bunch of hard work. So right. you're feeling earned. Right. So it's probably more earned than entitlement. But uh-huh. just sitting there like, you know what? We're good. Like, we just talk. You know, we're experts on everything. That one talking about getting a boat. Mm. It's like, you guys laugh, but you're going to be drowning. Like, right. <laughs> all that stuff. What was one of your favorite scenes in this movie? What was one that really called out to you? Um... I thought it was interesting with the pizzeria owner and his and John Tuturo where he's just like, you know, why are you the way that you are? Why are you so angry? Right. You know, and John's just wanting to move the pizzeria out of that area to mm-hmm. their neighborhood. But this is that guy's like he built it, like he said, with yeah, his bare, bare hands. hands. You know, this is home. And I think for him, like as much as he clashes with that culture, probably on a not hot day, everybody gets along. I feel you know? that I mean, too. Because yeah. even with bugging out, like he said, you've been here three times today. Like, why are you asking me how much this slice of pizza is? You get pizza all the time. Yeah. Why? Why are you giving me shit, man? You know. But and he even opens up the doors and lets those four people in, even though they're closing. And Spike wants to close it to go home. Right. You know, and he opens the door because I think he loves that community. Yeah. And I think, if anything, he likes the diversity because it adds, like, layers of culture. Well, in it this. gives, uh, you know, for me, what I loved about that scene was that you have a son that's there. Because I, I I agree with you. To me, that was one of the Because the son didn't get it. Yeah. Like, the that son the just cares about what other people for me think. in that. But, um, and I'm sure, everybody, obviously, everybody's going to pick something a little bit different. Sure. It's kind of interesting, too, why you guys pick that fucking scene. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I love that scene very much because it you have a bunch of people that are so entitled, even the son in some way, oh, yeah. in, you know, in some way, always entitled, where the dad's like, you know, this this hurts me because this is something that I've I've been here and I I've wanted to give this really to you hard to yeah. do this, you know, to make something of myself. Yeah. Right. Without the help of everybody else. Yeah. And you have a son here that just says, I fucking hate this. Uh-huh. And in, in a lot of ways discounting all of his dad's hard work. Yeah. You know? And it was such a beautiful moment with these two people that are so different. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So 
And the shopkeeper loved Mookie even said, you know, like you always have a place to work. Right. But it's like, why that dude's so lazy? He goes for like out one delivery takes hours. Right. Like, right. Come on, man. That's an awesome gig. That's a sweet ass gig. Seriously, dude. It's like you basically just walk around your block. Guaranteed all day. a salary. Know, like right? nowadays, good week, luck. That'd yeah. be hourly at any pizza place. Easy, right? But you get a weekly salary. Uh-huh. Um, Damn, son. What are you complaining about again? I have no idea. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting too because money was always on that dude's on Mookie's mind, right? I mean, not how enough you get to do it, anything about it, but enough where he wanted it, right? Right, because I mean, we open up and get introduced to our main him character. and his sister. Um, well, he's counting cash, right? It was yeah. like four hundred something dollars yeah. cash or some shit like that. Um, which put in perspective, you know what? Well, for him, where that's his like focus two is. weeks, yeah, right. But my thought is, is like, why was he so? interested in the money if he wasn't going to do anything yeah yeah i don't know i think he's one of those kind of like in kevin smith movie or in the in clerks the guy who's like i'm not even supposed to be here today it's like i'm not even i'm gonna to i'm gonna do something with my life sure and they're like okay what he's like i don't I know yeah i haven't figured it out yet and but it's i have like, a plan <laughs> okay yeah. okay what's your plan he yeah. doesn't have a plan you know and i think that was kind of that character where he's like i'm better I'm too good for this. Uh-huh. But it's like, all right, well, what's your fucking plan, dude? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, that's kind right. of the feeling I got where he's like, and he, you know, trying to feel like he has a say in his sister. Like, I was a little, I don't know how I feel about that scene when his sister's kind of flirting with the shop owner of the pizza place uh-huh. and then it pissed Mookie off. He's like, stay away from my sister. Right. Like, I don't know how I feel about that because. I don't know. I don't know where that really stemmed from. I mean, I guess like Spike Lee specializes in racism and kind of commenting on that. Sure. I mean, I I don't know. I felt like he was giving so many reasons to not like Mookie uh-huh. that I was kind of like, can you give me one to like him? <laughs> like yeah, something? something to like right. him? Because the fact that Rosie like obviously loves him wasn't really enough for me to be like well you're have a terrible taste in men <laughs> yeah that make and i me... was like why yeah why his one like gold half tooth thing in between the yeah um and those pants shorts that were kind of like double shorts uh-huh. with the leggings uh-huh. like that was a thing for guys back in the late 80s were right. leggings under shorts like I guess. Dude. I mean, I guess it keeps you from chafing. I guess. You know, when it's like, super dude, hot and sweaty. Even, I was, I was, a, I was swimming around in my doll, my dad's ball sack <laughs> at that time. Man, I was, <laughs> I was in Michigan, man. It rarely ever got that hot where I'd need spanks under my shorts uh, well, to keep my stuff compartmentalized. You ain't chunky, man. <laughs> those I was later. I was right later, and let's say Gold Bomb became my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? It was really. Outside of the the, the diner scene um, was the scene where um, what was his name? Bug eyes, bugging out, bugging out. He he gets bumped by the dude on his bike, mm. and uh, he gets his kicks all Jesus. scuffed up. Yeah, you know? uh, and then he's basically like feeling entitled, like say yeah. you're sorry, and he's like sorry. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. And he because he like, honestly didn't mean to do it. And right. all those people egging him on because it's a white guy in their neighborhood. Right. But the white guy, you know, owned the building. He's like, you yeah. bought a built that, you know. But yeah. the whole the whole thing was really interesting because yeah. I love. I even know that that actor, like that that white dude, he's in a ton of stuff now, too. Yeah, I bet. I didn't recognize him personally, but 
you watch probably a lot more stuff. I think you'd recognize him. I think he does a lot of TV. But, I mean, I just thought it was cool. Like, so many people like, that guy. Oh, shit, that guy. Oh, shit, that guy. I love movies like that when you look, like, in the 80s and 90s and you see people like, I don't think they knew back then that they were going to be huge now. (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Um, But I just, I really love that scene because they're trying to get at this dude and he was just like, I'm from, you know, I grew up in New York, yeah. you know. It was like, go back to Massachusetts. It was all the oh, assumptions. That's right. That's you know right. what yeah. I mean? They're him, go back. Dude. All racist assumptions. Go back to All my... of it. I grew right. up in Brooklyn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they're like, fuck, we got nothing on yeah. this guy. And I love, I love that scene. Yeah. Um, what I thought was kind of interesting, my wife was telling me that um, because he was so pissed off about his kicks, you know, mm. and um, – she was listening to uh, she was another podcast, <laughs> and uh, they were talking about why they took so much pride in their kicks, you know, because I never understood it mm-hmm. personally. But it was because if you had good kicks like that, it was like we worked really, really hard to pay for these to look good, mm-hmm. and they took a lot of pride in keeping them pristine. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah. So they would like walk around with them, keep them clean, clean. You know, that's what that's the term. You know, like I'm fresh, right? Like I keep my shit clean. I have a lot of pride and uh-huh. respect in what I, how I look and what I dress like and things like that. And what I dress like is a complete reflection of who I am. Yeah. Because they didn't have a lot of money. And the little things that they were able to pay for, they took a lot of care for. So, for instance, she was saying that, of course, they're going to clean their shoes and make sure it's all nice. And they get scuffed. They're going to get fucking pissed because they just, you know, to pay for a hundred dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Martin Lawrence's list with them fucking <laughs> so good. Um, for a hundred dollars, it's a lot of money. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of money for them to spend on something to look fresh, right? Mm-hmm. And to say something, Mookie would have to work two days to buy those shoes. <laughs> two days? No. Two day, yeah, two fifty a week. Oh yeah, I guess so. I'm assuming he works five days a week. I'm he's assuming probably he works seven not. days a week. I doubt Mookie works seven days a week. Uh-huh. I just have a feeling that he's just like. Well, what are you working me so hard for? Yeah, that's like, true. I have, a, I have a feeling he gets weekends off, even yeah. though that would be the best tip time. <laughs> um, but they, yeah, they would also – you got to be careful because that's how also your shit got stolen because they would steal your, your – Oh, kids. sure. steal your shit. Um, and all your hard-earned shit, you know? That's why I put sneakers on top. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is this is no, uh-huh. no-go zone, you know? Um so I just I really liked that particular mm. like little beat in the story, you know, little side yeah. chingus. Yeah, I just for me I feel like it just maybe if I came at this one without already knowing and loving a lot of Spike Lee stuff and kind of expecting you know a a, a story. Uh-huh. Um I th- I think I would have maybe viewed this in a different <laughs> way but the fact that you know his other stuff has some sort of through line kind of threw me off and sure. even i mean i'm like an hour and 20 minutes into it and i'm like when is something gonna happen you know and i just i never felt until the very end till the climax i just i never felt for me that there was anything kind of building i felt like it was just kind of sitting in this world and it just felt disjointed to me, I guess. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I I got the themes and got all that stuff. And once again, I mean, I don't have the life experience of that. But f- I, I don't know. Maybe I just went in with preconceived notions. That's what it sounds like to me, man. Yeah. Because I, I try not to. But when, you, but when you see something that's signature 
or that someone's known for that you like their other work, it's it's impossible to not go in kind of being like, oh, shit, well, I love this from him, mm-hmm. and this is the one that put him on the map. I bet I'm going to love it. Well, what's unique about this particular story versus what I'm assuming all those other stories is that he's so young when he did this. It was like his only second Well, Moe Butter Blues, he wrote that while he was filming this, and he filmed it the next year. Which is great. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And I feel but like he that just, experience yeah. of this movie sure. and the previous ones is going to make yeah. that next one better. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like he just kept getting better. Yeah. You yeah. Know, even like some of his stuff that a lot of people don't like. Yeah. You know? I mean, he's good at what he does. Sure. So, um, I think that's, that's, I can't think of anything else. Any uh, elements of it. Was I only there? have one thing. Why was it today? That they were getting pissed off about no black people on the wall. That guy's been there for twenty five yeah. years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that was the one thing that didn't hit me. That's a, that was my problem where I felt like right. he wasn't really outraged by it. You I felt I mean? like he was just cranky and hot uh-huh. and he was angry. And I think a lot of this movie was about misplaced anger. Because right. even even when Mookie comes to get paid after busting the window and everything, um, you know, he's like, why the hell should I pay you? Like, uh-huh. you broke my window, which is a valid argument. Sure. And Mookie's like, Radio Rahim was killed. Like, that's misplaced anger and someone who it's not his fault. And Radio Rahim and Bugging Out came in purposely yelling at him and accosting, like, the shop owner yeah. and, at, like, starting this shit. They didn't mean for it to escalate to that point, obviously. Right. But, like, he, Mookie was so angry in that moment that he blamed the shop owner for all of it, mm. you know, and that was a justification for him. So well, I feel I mean, like with the yeah. with the with the no black people on the wall, I feel like that was a bullshit thing for him to be. He's angry and upset and uncomfortable with how hot it is, and he needs something to justify the anger. Right. So for me, because I mean, like a lot, of, you see that on Facebook. People go on Facebook. They're like, "I'm pissed off today. What am I pissed off about?" And go on Facebook. I'm like, "Oh, this." Uh. Like, <laughs> as opposed to addressing that maybe they're unhappy with their own lives. Right. You know, I mean, they that thing that they just fucking saw probably isn't the reason why they were upset 10 minutes ago. Right. You know, so that to me is just like the one thing that just set them off. I just think it was something he could he could just something he could pinpoint. Well, I mean, haven't you been really hot? Don't you get irritable really quickly when you're super fucking hot? When I moved into this Long Beach apartment, because it doesn't have AC because it's Long Beach and theoretically it's supposed to get sea breezes. It does not because the windows are facing the wrong directions. Uh But. When I went there, the landlord left the like everything open, like the the sliding glass door and the windows, and I moved in the end of July. And oh my god, it took me like 5 days for it to not be like in the high 80s in that apartment. Oh, and I'm unpacking and I'm just drenched. I'm taking breaks to take cold showers because it's just the hot air from I don't know how long those windows and everything have been open, but I was miserable. So I I understand being so, like, miserable miserable and grumpy. And like I said, I just think, same thing with Radio Rahim. Like, they were just finding reasons why they're upset. Well, here's the thing. You tell a guy like Radio Rahim to turn off his radio, Mm -hmm. that's like telling you, Noah, not to work out. Well, then don't go in a pizza place and get something. Well, that's the I, thing. I like it's it. his. Trust me, I get place. it. Yeah, but there's a sense of like identity in, rooted in that. But it was also thing. entitlement because yeah. he was also super shitty to the shop owners who like did not have the best grasp of English, and he's like throwing racial slurs at them because they're not right. quite understanding. It's like, dude, like everybody, everybody, and like, oh, oh <laughs> that's the other thing. So 
<laughs> so something that Spike Lee does in a lot of his statement movies, not so much his commercial stuff, like Inside Man obviously didn't have that because that was just not a racial-related type of thing, but he always has a segment where it's just monologue after monologue of just spitting out racial slurs. And that happened in in uh, minute 48 where I'm like, that is his signature thing. Or it's just releasing all these racial slurs. You know what I'm talking about. Like that scene where yeah, they cut just to everybody and went off. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's a Spike Lee signature. That's what it? he does. And, and, and I, like, again, I haven't seen enough of his stuff to know. I really actually really enjoyed that part. Mm-hmm. I thought it was rather interesting because you really understood what they all really wanted to say to one another. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't think they really wanted to say it. I think, oh, once no. again, it's mis- no, no, no. misplaced anger. No, they did. They totally you don't, wanted You think? 100% they wanted to say that stuff to each other. Hmm. Because they have all this built-up tension and angst and frustration with one another, but yet they have to cohabitate at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. No, I, I wholeheartedly feel that that's exactly what they want to say to each other. Do they mean it? From a human-to-human human perspective? No. That I do not know. Yeah. But I do feel that that's what they felt in, in the moment. Yeah, I can see that. You know, at least on this hot day. Uh-huh. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's what I blame it for. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. like, once again, the easy target. I'm upset about this. I can't control the weather. So where can I direct this anger right. to let it out? Right. You know, and that was kind of this film. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. And I think, you know, at the time that it came out, I think it was interesting mm-hmm. you know i don't know what was going on during during that time in history but i, think I mean shit in la was super tense before the rodney king stuff right. you know that right. that stuff was stewing quite a bit and to be honest with you a movie like this probably perpetuated that instance mm-hmm. even deeper sure right because like it literally <laughs> that's how it, well how I, it I, I i bet i bet after that happened the rodney king people could even look back at this years earlier seeing like this shit has been going on right like of course right. it's going to lead to something terrible right. like why aren't we take care of this back then and we still haven't taken care of it. yeah well of course not because it's difficult yeah to address for people mm-hmm. you know what i mean my hope is that there's generations like our generation, the generation behind us, and their the generation behind them, this stuff at some point, in my heart, I feel that it's going to get dissolved out. God, I hope so. Over, but the thing is, is it takes. Yeah, we're not. So we much. probably won't see it in our lifetime. No, we will not. But it takes time, and it's gotten Unless better. Unless we live forever, and it that'll be nice. Yeah, um, But it's gotten better. You know what I mean? And now that they're actually having a voice where people are getting listened to mm-hmm. nowadays, the crazy part to me is everybody's like, oh, the world's horrible right now. I'm like, look, man, we live in one of the greatest times yeah. of our history yeah. right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Talk to your grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> talk to your talk to your own parents. Mm-hmm. And they, I promise you, they'll tell you, you have it better right now. Yeah, it's interesting because... It is better now, and it, 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 it totally but that doesn't is. mean that it's fixed. But it's better. You look at previous generations, and even in, like, well, like Michigan, uh, with like my grandparents and stuff. Like their generation, obviously, they're in the north, so it's not as super in your face, venomous racism as it is in the south. But there's passive racism that is just like, you know, they stay over here, we're over here. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, that's just kind of how it is. I mean, I I loved my grandma to death on my mom's side. The sweetest, passive-aggressive little lady ever. Just the most wonderful grandma. I remember um, maybe middle school, we went to a McDonald's. 
and a black lady held the door open for us and we walked through and you know grandma said you know thank you like genuinely thank you and obviously i said thank you too and we get inside and grandma looks at me and she says you know there are an awful lot of nice black people out there and it just, uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's adorably passive racist. <laughs> like, the, like, I was like, yes, there are, Grandma. Right, right. <laughs> but, like, but that's, I mean, so that's, like, obviously not evil racism, but there's, you know, racial well, all, biases and things like that where... And her, it's all how people have grown up. Like, my grandmother, right. she's Mexican, and she has a hard time with black people. Mm. She has a hard enough time in her own, <laughs> in her own damn skin. But because of, you know, she she had a particular view and then how white people treated her was in a particular view. It's just all where you kind of grow up and where mm. you come from. You know, the South is interesting, you know, because I lived in the South for a handful of years and it's like it's there's such a perpetuation. Yeah, man. Of of that culture. Yeah. And of prejudices and things. Um I mean, we still there and it's yeah. difficult. You know yeah. what I mean? And we still have it in different forms. I mean, even I mean, it, so, you know, most of my life living in Michigan and Indiana, mostly white people. So I dated white women sure. moving out here. I've dated women of all ethnicities. And it wasn't until here until I started dating, like, you know, had the Japanese girlfriend or dated like the Puerto Rican girlfriend. Every time I dated someone who wasn't white, I'd have people be like, oh, so you're into that. Like fetishizing really? like, literally every single time. See, that's fucked Every up. time. And I'm like, wow, no one ever said when I was with white women, like, oh, you're, you know, you're into those color coordinated relationships. Like, oh, none of that. But literally, I'm not even kidding. Literally every time I've dated anyone outside of my race, there's that comment. And it's like. Fuck you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, I'm like, that's you, racist as shit. I like her because I like. Yeah. you know but even the people who claim they're not racist still have those certain elements and well it's i don't know but we're better tough. now and i feel like for better or for worse social media has kind of been able to enlighten people who maybe because well, of their geography might not be exposed is, to certain this things. is the thing that i love about what's going on right now in this in our time right this fucking second is that because of social media, because of the way we are connected to one another, because people have a way of externalizing mm. their internal prejudices, yeah. right? And two things happen for me when this when this goes is that one, they don't know that they're being prejudiced sure. or racist. Yeah. They think that it's just <clears throat> excuse me, they think that it's it this is how it how it is, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get an opportunity to combat that. To have a dialogue. To exactly. Yeah. Have a dialogue, right? Now, egos get well in the way a sure. lot of times, but my hope is you do enough of these little conflicts that are happening. Like microtransactions of the, dialogue. These little <laughs> micro-conflicts that are happening yeah. over social media is going to per- perpetuate this, I don't want to say fix, but this growth, right? Mm-hmm. Because when we were younger, we didn't have shit like this, right? And you just don't know. Yeah. And, you know, you say something and your parents, or at least my parents, are just like, don't do that. Don't say that. Uh-huh. You're not supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or things just wouldn't be said. Mm-hmm. Right? And then it's all in, all confined to the home. You know, these are things that are said in the home, but you never say say them outside of the home. Yeah. You get what right. I'm saying? And there's there's this way of thinking that happens. And in, learn in, behavior in, in learn, family. Exactly, right? Mm-hmm. 
But because of social media, because we have a president the way that we have our president right now, maybe, maybe in I don't care to get too political in this. But thing, but you're this explaining is what, a silver lining right now, <laughs> right? It, like I don't, I don't care to get too political, but at right. the same time, we has there and been any other president that has started to bring this stuff out have the way a that race it, conversation, have a, race, a real race conversation? Because if we didn't. Right, if we if we would have gotten Hillary, if we would have gotten somebody else, this show has just still been swept underneath the yeah. fucking rug, right? Yeah, and we would have, you know, it had been four years down the line, and maybe they get reelected, so maybe eight years down the line or whatever, and then none of this stuff will be fixed. In mm-hmm. order for us to really have some sort of equality, we have to go through some shitty ass growing pains yeah. to get there. Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh huh. And that's what I love so much about this movie was that it wasn't trying to hide the racism. They were blatantly racist. Oh, yeah. Everybody was. You know what I mean? Every character. And it was yelling at you Uh in your face the entire time. And to me, I was very uncomfortable with a lot of the stuff that was going on because of that. And mm-hmm. that's why I really needed to take a step back today to think about like, well, what was it about this movie that worked for me? And what was it that that I wasn't really resonating with? And a lot of it was because of my own ideologies of things. Like, mm-hmm. am I relating to the white guy because I'm fucking white? Am I yeah. relating to, you know, the black guy because he's actually being discriminated against? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I really needed to think about how I was feeling about this particular Was there movie. anything, were there things that after reflection that still didn't work for you? Uh, more, moreover, it was um, some of the, like we talked about, a little bit of the narrative stuff, mm. right? It, it was a little bit slower, sure. slower in movement for me. But looking back in retrospect, man, I really... I really applaud Spike Lee for for doing something so experimental and different and really saying something and not being afraid to offend people mm-hmm. in the same way, educate them on what's perpetuating this hate. Yeah. You know, I mean, even moreover now, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Like that he's a big spokesperson for hate. Yeah. You know? And so for me, I was very taken aback by by his approach doing this. Mm-hmm. It was very in your face. Yeah. Right? I think a lot of people would have done this a little bit softer. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah. So I was I was pretty I was I was, I was or had a movie with protagonists because yeah. there really wasn't any. Right. And you know what? They were all in the shit man, together. I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally cool with that. Because in all honesty, the same fucking formulas all the goddamn time. Yeah. It gets a little boring. Mm-hmm. And it was really nice to see something outside of that, you know, s- structure, mm-hmm. or, you know, Hollywood formula or whatever you call it. Right. So I, at the end of the day, I would highly recommend this for people and make your own decisions because sure. I promise you, no matter how you grew up will directly reflect to who you connect to in this overall story. If you connect with anybody. Well, you know, it's funny for me, like until it got really racist with the white people, I was kind of connecting with them. I'm like, fuck, dude, these guys oh, are yeah? being all ass. Well, of course, because... In some crazy way, I'm white, so subconsciously I'm connecting that way mm. right out of the fucking gate. Yeah. And what was really frustrating for me for this overall uh, podcast today was that I'm like, we're two fucking white guys yeah. talking about something that's very cultural. And I was thinking, I'm like, oh man, I wonder if I can get a, a, a buddy of mine that's like some other ethnicity yeah. that can can talk to this movie from a different perspective. Mm. And I sat and I was thinking, like, who do I know that's black? <laughs> right and not in a racist way just like right. who, who, yeah. who are my friends are, are black and I'm like I really don't have fucking black friends <laughs> oh. 
right? Like I have acquaintances, but not yeah. people that I like have in my yeah. in my bigger circle. I do, I but they're of, all way up in I LA. Have a, I have a lot of Mexicans and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, you know, Asians and stuff, but not not a lot of black people. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was kind of bummed out about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I care to be diverse in my sure. my friends and mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. It's just just that. I haven't had that many great right. opportunities in order to make yeah. friends within that mm. space. And I'm just like, fuck, that's sad. Yeah. <laughs> that's sad for me to think about uh-huh. personally. You know what I mean? So yeah. um I don't know. I, I would I would urge people to watch this and make their own decisions based so on. So you this agree stuff. that this is one of the best films ever made, or it deserves to be on that list. I totally feel that it deserves to be on the list for sure. Um for all the things that I just talked uh-huh. about. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of people's played safe. And I think that's what has made Spike Lee kind of the person, the director he sure, is, yeah. is, somebody that's just not afraid to say the shit that needs to be said yeah. in the hopes, right, to further the conversation. The conversation, mm-hmm. exactly. Cool. So that that's that's where I'm at. All right. Well, Jonesy? Yes, I know. What's making you hard this week? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. He might be sharing the same thing. Um my wife turned me on to a new podcast called S Town. Yeah, it's amazing. And, uh, it's produced by This American Life and Serial, and it is phenomenal. It's only eight or six, six, right? six little chapters in this storyline. Six hour and long, if oh, that. Yeah. God, it is so rich mm-hmm. in unpredictable in content and narrative and character. Oh, such good character. And these are real people. Yeah, um, totally. It's amazing. Uh, S Town is stands for Shit Town, Alabama. Shit town, shit, Alabama. shit town, Alabama. This fucking about, redneck, uh, John, John B. John B. Um, ultimately, takes care of his mother mm-hmm. and has a rose maze. <laughs> Very interesting um, backwoods tale of frustration and um, an intellectual and, trapped in the South, but really in his own mind. It is so much. He's um, absolutely a prisoner of himself. Totally yeah. right. In some ways, you'll. Uh, I'm excited to see how you how it wraps next, up. Yeah, I know because you turned me really on to this talk to, about this. Because I'm just getting really sad because I blew through the beginning. I'm like, oh uh, no, but there's only six of these, <laughs> so I need to slow down. Well, you know what's really interesting about it is I just I finished it last week before you know right before I told mm-hmm. you, and I think I was like an episode four or something when I told you about it. But uh, after I was done, I really. Oh man, I really just it's it sits with you. Yeah, it really does. And it almost, I feel already. I can tell it feels like one of those where I'd almost want, knowing what I know, how it will end. Uh-huh. When I get to that point, I almost want to start it back over with that knowledge to pick up the pieces and the clues. Kind of like sure. when you watch like The Sixth Sense. Sure, I could see that. And you find what the ending is, and then you rewatch the movie, and you're like, oh shit, there are little like Easter eggs yeah, all over all the place, place to lead yeah. you there. Yeah, totally. So um, if you guys like mysteries, if you guys like things about people, I mean, it's very much a biography in some yeah. way. Oh, it is. Um, check it out. S-Town, S-Town. Uh, again, done by This American Life and Serial. Serial. So uh, I love it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> amazing. Really, it's really one of the good. best podcasts I've ever heard in my life. Dude, the, just the editing is so uh-huh. good. It's such a good story. Mm-hmm. Such good journalism happening amazing journalism that guy did a phenomenal job right just digging and doing like that's how journalism is supposed to be you know uh you know last week we had chris um haas on Mm -hmm. right and 
uh, you know, I, I shared a story with him talking about uh, you kind of have to go beyond your initial curiosity mm-hmm. of, of, of story. That's and what he did. that's so much what he did. Yeah, he went down that phenomenal. rabbit hole like like Years. John went down rabbit holes of conspiracy theory and global warming <laughs> shit. Right. I mean, it is um, by far one of my favorite. I mean, cereal is really good too. I haven't heard it. Oh, just because it like, got so huge with hype, I'm gonna go I'm listen now. If you like S Town, you're gonna yeah. love cereal. Oh, I know, man. I know. I heard the first one's good, and the second's not that great. I didn't even finish the second one. Just know that. Yikes! Yeah, no, that's <laughs> why I heard. So. Well, you know, I mean, to that same point, not to keep at this, but cereal was really, really good. And then when season two came around season one did so fucking well that it's hard to ride on yeah. those coattails. Yeah. And I, I, I had a feeling that it wasn't going to hold up to what the first season was because it was such a different format mm-hmm. for, for podcasting. And they didn't do it to intend on like having additional seasons of it. You know, I don't think, I don't think they no. started serial thinking like we're going to do a second do season. Another one now. I, I think, think it's so, like, yeah. shit, it did so well. We have to do another one instead of like with S town where it's like, right. we need to tell a completely different story, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. format. doesn't need to be a mystery, whatever. We just right. need to tell this rich story. And this guy stumbled upon that story. <laughs> you get guys, oh, just, so good. just listen. go listen to it. I promise you, if you guys hate it, cry to your mama, not me, yeah. but at the same time, thank I you. think you'll love it. So what's making me hard this yes, week? No, what's making you hard this week? Is the Netflix comedy special Homecoming King by Hassan Minaj. Oh, the new one that just popped up. Yes, huh? it's I, so it's in my good. Queue. I, haven't I seen love it yet, that though. dude. He's you know one of the Daily Show guys now. Right, right. He did the White House Correspondents Dinner this year. Is it more political? Killed it. Um, it's more about his life, but it does. Oh, better. I love those types of stories. Right. But yes, it's so good. And he shares life experience. And I mean, he's Indian, you know, and he yeah, kind of talks yeah, about yeah. the different like there's even a point where he's like Indian or Hindu Indians versus Muslim Indians, kind of like different things. And but like it's just about his life. And uh-huh. it's so good he's so like i'm excited to watch where he goes because literally like that white house correspondence dinner was brave because trump didn't even show up right. he wasn't going to be there and just his if you get a chance everybody on youtube go watch his opening like joke or like monologue, monologue. i guess watch that for the white house correspondence dinner it's phenomenal right. um he both roasts and celebrates the journalism it's <laughs> awesome that's awesome um, I think he even makes a joke because he's up there and he's like, you know, once again, I'm getting, you know, it's up to an immigrant to do the job that no white person wants to do <laughs> for it. Because um, who wants to roast Donald Trump right. who's waiting for Twitter? Um, but I highly recommend his special. It's really good. I'm really excited to see where he goes. Okay. He's kind of the rising star, you oh, know. Nice. And so it's awesome. All right, man. All right. Well, until next week, we're going to actually switch to a super light, happy movie because this is super heavy. Are you sure? A Clockwork Orange. Oh, another Kubrick on the list. <laughs> another huh? Kubrick. All right, I'm down. Not for that. happy whatsoever. <laughs> no, not at all. Not a light movie. You know what's interesting? I've, I watched Clockwork Orange when I was younger, and I really did not get it. So I'm really excited to watch yeah. it. You know what's funny is I watched a lot of Kubrick movies when mm-hmm. I was younger because didn't people get like didn't get them. But as I've gotten older, like I like yeah, you can see what he's doing better. Yeah, and all that type of stuff. See, so. Clockwork Orange, we'll talk about it next week. But it's one of my favorite books of all time. Books oh, and okay. the movie. I didn't care for so I'm really initially but I haven't seen it in like five years right so I think now I want to watch I'm not going to read I own the book because mm-hmm. once again it's one of my favorites but like I'm not going to touch it I'm just I think because right then I read the book for class loved it 
then we watch the movie and I'm like, oh, it doesn't hold up because it never, you know, it's yeah. hard doing that. So now I'm not going to touch the book and I'm just going to watch Just the watch the movie. All right. Well, cool, All man. Right. Well, All right, guys. We'll until make next sure, time. Make sure you guys follow us on uh, UFRpodcast.com. Yes. We'll put all the information in the description. So if you guys click on that stuff. And UFR not, Podcast for all Earthing. social media for everything. And you guys fucking like this show and you guys got it all the way through to the end of this show <laughs> and actually listening to this motherfucker. Make sure you guys go rate and review. subscribe and uh-huh. review and all that stuff because it really helps us out and we want to get some lovin's. Yeah, absolutely. So, Noah. Till next time. We out.